How good is that? It's great to celebrate together, isn't it? It's brilliant. It's fantastic to have these guys with us every year. Uh, new students doing amazing things all across Birmingham and beyond. It's, it's just a brilliant joy. Uh, before we jump into the Bible, there's a few things by way of announcement that I just want to flag up. So if you've got your outlooks that you'd have been given on your way in, just grab those to your hand now. You'll find some information in there, things going on this week and beyond. I just want to draw your attention to a few things. There's two events happening tonight at Riverside House. Two different events, both worth attention. The first is Belonging to Riverside. Belonging to Riverside is an event that we run every now and again for anyone who is new to Riverside to understand what is at the heart of Riverside, to get to know us as a church, get to know what makes us tick, uh, or whether you'd kind of want to be, be a part of the family. So come along tonight if that's you uh, to Belonging to Riverside, half past seven, Riverside House. Also tonight, at the same time in a different room in the main hall, we've got our Sanctuary event. Sanctuary we run every every month is a beautiful opportunity in a slightly different environment to spend time with each other with God in a sort of unhurried, relaxed, engaging way. So if you've never been to Sanctuary, do go along tonight. They are beautiful evenings with real space to be with God, to worship together. Linda's going to be leading that tonight, so come along uh, to Sanctuary this evening. And then also on your way in or on your way out, you will see just to the left there some desks with some laptops on. If you're a kind of part of Riverside, you should have got a letter recently. If you haven't, you'll see in Outlook details about something called Church Suite. Church Suite is a brilliant thing. It's basically an online app and functionality so that you can connect with all your details and all the stuff that's going on with Riverside. Some of, it's, some of us, it's an easy transition, straightforward. Others might have a few questions, not quite sure how to do. After the, this service, do head to those, one of those desks. Someone would love to kind of chat through in very simple ways about how you can get the best out of Church Suite. Or if you have any questions that you have or any friends that you may know have, uh, do head to due to the welcome point to those desks afterwards. Great, we're going to turn to the Bible now. So if you've got your Bible, do open it. Don't worry if you haven't though, because the words will come up on the screen. And we're going to read from the book of Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. And this is an encounter with Jesus where he does something dramatic and then where he teaches something very profound and very important for us today. So Luke chapter 13, starting at verse 10. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and couldn't straight up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said, Woman, you're set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant, because Jesus is healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your own ox or donkey from the stall and lead it to give water? And should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan's kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? 
when he'd said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. And then Jesus asked, what's the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like a yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked through all the dough. May God speak to us by his spirit. Amen. I realize it's always a bit risky when you're up front in church talking about a film that you've seen because you realize in some way you're endorsing this film. Uh, I'm not particularly endorsing this film, although I thoroughly enjoyed it. But recently I saw this film. The reason I saw watched it is because of the rather striking title. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. It's all about a woman, uh, after a burglary, kind of flips out. Tired of things being the way they are in society. Tired of people being so angry, causing so much distress. Tired of all the brokenness that she sees in her own house, her own life, in her community and in this world. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. And the film ends fascinatingly without giving the end away, with an old hymn playing in the background with these words being sung in kind of a lament old school way. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me through heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. It's a fascinating film and I'm convinced the reason it's kind of now is because it taps into something that is very, very present in our society at the moment. The feeling that I wish things were different. In our politics, I wish things were different. Whichever side you're on of the spectrum, Can't you see everywhere across the world, votes are happening, things are going on that are basically saying one big message, I wish things were different. And whichever way they've got used to, I wish it was different, so we'll try this way. Left, right, whatever, center, just I want it to be different. In our relationships, I wish things were different. I wish my partner was different. I wish my friends somehow were different. I wish my family was different. In our careers, it's very, very rare, isn't it, to meet anybody who says, I love my job, it's all good. Most of us, I wish it was different. Or or personally, in our own lives, When we look at ourselves, I wish things were different. The things we struggle with, the things we grapple with. Or or in our emotions, I wish I was different. In our health, 
walk with anyone for any length of time in your relationship. At some point, somebody you love will have failing health and we cry out, I wish things were different. If you've lived with disability in any sphere, I wish things were different. In society, all across the place, I wish things were different. Even in church, I wish things were different. We may not use those words, but time and time and time and time again, that is the tone of our society today. I've been in church leadership for 15 years. And at root, this is the cry of most people who I talk to. I wish things were different in my life, in society, in the life of those around me, whatever it may be. So today, we continue our series looking at the tensions in the Bible. The things that we find present in the pages of the scriptures that, that sometimes confuse us, sometimes concern us, that seem to be at odds, tensions if you will. And today we're very simply looking at this one. Now and not yet. What if this world is not the whole story? How do we live in a world that is not yet what it could be? How do we cope now when things are not yet as they will be? And obviously Christians believe in an eternity when things will be very different. In the words from Revelation where there will be no more tears, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Yes. But even if you're not sure about that this morning, you're not sure whether you'd call yourself a Christian, you're not sure where you fit into the Christian story, or maybe you're just even beginning to discover how it all fits together, this question still applies, doesn't it? Most of us want things to be different. How do we cope now when they're not yet what we hope they will be, whatever that will be looks like for us? Because it's pretty clear that Jesus has some quite important things to say to us today. Whoever you are, whatever you know about the Christian story, Jesus has something to say to you this morning. Because right at the beginning of Jesus' teaching, he says these words. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He's announcing the kingdom of God. It starts, I'm here, the kingdom of God is here. In a world that seems increasingly precarious, in which the various kingdoms of the world seem to be battling against each other, spiraling out of control, I'm bringing in a new kingdom, says Jesus. Things aren't right, but change starts now. The kingdom of God. And what does that mean? Well, we, another bit of that Jesus says when he teaches his followers how to pray, this is what he says. When you pray, pray this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. You want to know what God's kingdom looks like? It looks like that. Heaven on earth. That's pretty good. And whether we uh, would call ourselves Christians or not, we would say that's a pretty good thing, I think. Tick. I want that. 
Want to know what my kingdom looked like, says Jesus? It's heaven on earth now. And so, says Jesus, pray. Your kingdom come, Lord. So what does that look like? Well, in the passage we've just read, we get a glimpse of that kingdom. We get a glimpse of the now and the not yet. We get a glimpse of what it looks like when God breaks into our lives, into our society. God on the factory floor. So that for those of us who wish that things were different, we'll see that we've got some good news. Things can be different. Changes in the air. But even more than that, Jesus reminds us things will be different. They are different. You may experience darkness now, but dawn is coming. You may be in the night of despair, but the sun is beginning to rise. You may be waiting, longing, but light is coming. So, let's jump in to this passage. And the first obvious thing, we've said it already, do you notice? This rule of God, this new era is now. This whole section in Luke's gospel is all about Jesus' kingdom and what it looks like. Let me read again verse verse 18 as he basically is explaining the kingdom of God. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed. Not it will be like a mustard seed or it was. No, it is now. God's kingdom is now. Not just future, but now. And what's that look like in flesh and blood terms for you and me today? Well, that's the story just before he says. There's this woman who has been crippled for 18 years, desperate, in an era with no health care, with no social provision, crippled for 18 years, bent over, not being able to straighten up. And Jesus does an amazing miracle and heals her. No wonder, what do we read? Verse 13, she straightened up and praised God. And what do the people do? Verse 17, they were delighted with the wonderful things he was doing. When God's kingdom breaks in, it is good news for those who are desperate and it is good news for everyone else watching it. Brilliant. But it's bad news, isn't it? Do you see who it was bad news for? The self-sufficient rulers, the leaders who think they've got it all sorted, the smug rulers who say, look at me, I'm all right. So the kingdom is now and it's good news for the desperate. It's bad news for the self-sufficient. No more sickness in God's kingdom. No more self-righteous leaders in God's kingdom. And whether you'd call yourself a Christian or not, most would say, yep, I'd vote for that. (laughs) But that's not what I see now. So it is now, says Jesus, it is breaking in. But we don't see that everywhere, do we? Many of us still live with sickness. Many of us still live in environments of pain. Many of us still live waiting, longing for things to be different. Certainly look around the world, you see pretty lots of self-righteous leaders. (laughs) So it's now, but it is also not yet. 
Because Jesus gives two descriptions, doesn't he, of the kingdom of God. Mustard and yeast. Now he's not talking about Coleman's. He's getting out a little pot of Coleman's. He's basically painting a picture of things that are not yet as they one day will be. When you plant a seed, as we did in the earlier service here in an all-age gathering, you know that that seed is not yet what it will be. When you put yeast, it is not yet what it will be. It expands, it grows far beyond recognition of what it currently is. God's kingdom is now, yes, but it is also not yet. In the words of Jerem Bars, there are sorrows in our lives so great that the tears cannot be wiped away in this world. There are some things that are not fixed now that we long to be different. The mustard seed starts off small. We see evidence of it and it grows and it grows and it grows until it grows way beyond recognition of what it once was. Until it finally gives that shelter. And do you notice what it said? Jesus said it grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. Other gospels say various different birds. This, this kingdom is available to all kinds of people who find shelter in it, hope in it. So God's kingdom is now. We see evidence of it now. But we don't see it in all its fullness yet. Jesus reigns, but that doesn't mean we still don't see the pain and the reality in this world. We see the benefits now, but not yet as it one day will be. And that beautiful reality points us to something, as C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. That longing for difference that we think about ourselves, our circumstances, our careers, our family, our relationships, our jobs, our, our health, that longing for difference points us to a longing for more, for the things that are not yet what they will be. Which I think leads us to do a number of different things. This reality of living in the now that Jesus does reign, we do see evidence of his kingdom now, but it is not yet what it will be in all its fullness, leads us to a number of different things. Firstly, it leads us to pray, to pray our hearts out. We are weak. We cannot change many of our circumstances. Humble desperation that leads us to say, God, have mercy, please change things. It was interesting, uh, last, uh, 10 days ago we had our half night of prayer. If you were able to come to it at Riverside House, a beautiful evening, really great stuff. Uh, and during that evening there was a kind of word of prophecy that was given about a fire coming to Birmingham. Uh, and there was a sense of change in the air. And I don't know about you, when I look around this beautiful city, I see change everywhere. Change in the buildings, change in the infrastructure, change in what kind of society it is. And many of that's really exciting, and yet also you see such desperation, such, such bleakness. 
And don't you long for change? And we get to play our part in that. But the reality is we're not the answer to it. God is. And so the kingdom being now and not yet leads us to pray our hearts out. God, have mercy. Please change things. So it leads us to prayer. But it also leads us to expect. To expect to see miracles now. Again, on the half night of prayer, we, we encourage people to write stories of where they saw evidence of God's kingdom in their lives. And someone wrote a beautiful little story about the time when they were in Morrison's, the supermarket. They were in Morrison's chatting to a guy who'd got a, a damaged wrist. And so in the middle of Morrison's, this person who wrote this card prayed for this person in the middle of Morrison's, and this person was healed. To the point that the guy that was healed said, can you now tell me the lottery numbers? because he was so bamboozled by what had just happened. If God's kingdom is now, we can expect to see miracles, and so therefore we can pray for them now. So when a colleague at work is struggling, or when a colleague, a friend is ill, we can pray for them and ask God to break in now, to bring healing like this woman. Expecting to see that God does work. He does. And so we see evidence of it. So we pray, we expect to see God, fingerprints of God wherever we go. I heard an amazing story the other day of somebody else in a restaurant who was praying for somebody in the middle of the restaurant. Brilliant. So we pray, we expect miracles. But with it being now and yet not yet, we also need to accept that things aren't what they will be. And can I be really candid here? If you're a follower of Jesus because you think life is going to be sweet, you will be disappointed. If you're in your relationships because that person will complete you, they will only let you down. If you're in a job because you think that will make you satisfied in life, it will always disappoint. In other words, this world is not the complete picture. There will always be great disappointments. God's kingdom is now, but not yet. Things aren't as they will be. And so therefore in our faith, It sounds a bit bleak, but I think we need to expect to be disappointed. (laughs) Because this world is not yet what it will be. So there will be sadness. There will be people we pour our hearts out to be healed, and they will not be. And the reality is, if we think that all life will be sweet, all that means is we either blame ourselves for not praying in the right way. I remember a friend at university, I've told the story before, friend whose uh, uh, sister was dying of cancer, and she had been taught that if she prayed with enough faith, this sister would be healed, and so she prayed her heart out like a loving sister would. To the point that she said that actually I needed to pray in a certain way. So when I offered to pray, she said no, because I didn't know quite how to pray the right way, apparently. And then, of course, what happened is this sister died of cancer. What did that do to our friend? 
it destroyed her with guilt and shame because after all, if she'd prayed in the right way, she'd have been healed. And so therefore, if we don't expect that there will be things that are not yet as they will be, we may well end up blaming ourselves, we may end up blaming others, or ultimately we'll end up blaming God. Maybe we can be a church characterized by humble, broken desperation of hope. That things are not yet what they will be. Not yet. So we pray, we expect miracles. We accept they won't always happen. But also we don't accept the status quo. Because Jesus does reign now. Christians down through history have been at the forefront of making a difference in society. Which is why when we see things in our society that aren't right, because we know one day things will be right, that means we don't have to say, doesn't matter. We can work now and not accept the status quo because Jesus reigns now and is building his kingdom now so we can campaign for justice. We can really do all we can to build a better, fairer society because Jesus reigns now and even though we know it won't yet be all that it will be, we work for change. We don't accept the status quo. Next thing, we believe for more. If God's kingdom is now, and not yet, we believe that there will always be more possible. We are expectant people, not cynical people. Can I confess something to you? And I have a hunch that I'm not alone. The older I get, the more cynical I become. And I think that's a risk to us if we're followers of Jesus. Because we've heard it all before, we've heard the stories, we've seen the fast sell. And so we become just a little bit jaded. And as a result, faith begins to be squashed rather than hope-filled. Friends, cynicism is not something that is in the church. Humble desperation in brokenness, hope-filled. That's what we want to be, believing for more in our church, in our lives, in our society, in our workplaces, in our families. So we pray, we expect miracles. We accept that they won't always happen. We don't accept the status quo. We keep on trying to change things. We believe that more is always possible. And finally, as we come to the end, we resist the temptation to believe that there is comfort in other shelters. The birds sought shelter in the mustard tree. The yeast does grow to this beautiful batch of bread. I was kind of thinking about having a loaf baking this morning. Some of us, if we're honest, because we know the world is not yet what it will be, the temptation to compromise, the temptation to give in, the temptation to give up waiting is all too strong and too real, isn't it? And we wonder if a different Shelter might just provide us with a little bit more comfort. Can I encourage you? Jesus says, the seed may look small, but it is growing. It is growing. It is growing. It is growing. So tempting to trust other kingdoms. It's so tempting as Christians to believe that if we just vote in the right politicians, society will be all right. 
but actually we're called to trust in the one who is building his kingdom, a kingdom of righteousness, hope, joy and peace. So living in the now and not yet is a massive challenge and a huge hope. And as I close, I had a sense that we're going to pray in a moment. and We're going to pray in a particular way. We're going to pray for those of us who wish things were different. And we're going to pray using the very last words of the Bible. This is how the book of Revelation ends. I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. These words, come Lord Jesus. In the Aramaic, there was one word that Christians used to say in the early church, and that word was Maranatha. It simply means, come Lord Jesus. And in a moment, we're going to pray that for those of us who wish things were different. For those of us who wish things were different in our own lives, we're going to pray, come Lord Jesus. For those who wish our circumstances were different, we're going to pray, come Lord Jesus. And whether that is praying because you want to resist temptation or because you want to stand firm, clinging that the world will one day be. For those who are grappling with health issues, we're going to pray, come Lord Jesus. That maybe in God's grace he will do a miracle now to bring healing, but also enable us to trust that even if he doesn't, come Lord Jesus, one day, one day, no more sickness. For those who grapple with disability in some form, we're going to pray, come Lord Jesus, praying that even in that difficulty, you might be able to stand firm. Come, Lord Jesus. For those in our relationships that we know the temptation is to give in because, frankly, we wish things were different, we're going to pray, come, Lord Jesus, please enable me to stand strong and faithful. And for those when we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see, either what we see physically or actually what we know of ourselves because the things we grapple with, we're going to pray, come, Lord Jesus, bring grace, bring hope. So you up for praying this? Can I invite you to close your eyes? And as the band come up, what we're going to do is, for those who want to uh, pray this, for those who wish that things were different now, I'm going to simply ask you in a moment to stand. As you stand, what you are going to be doing is saying, God, I, I trust you now but I know that now is not yet what it will be, so come, Lord Jesus. And you know what that means most for you right now. And it's a simple prayer that as we pray, God, by his Spirit, will come, bringing hope, bringing healing, bringing wholeness, bringing the ability to keep on keeping on. So let me pray and then I'm going to invite you to stand in a moment. So Holy Spirit, we pray even now. Come by your Spirit. And where hope is needed, would you bring hope? Where strength is needed, would you bring that resolve to keep on standing firm? For those who need healing, Lord Jesus, have mercy, we pray this morning. 
for those of us who are caring for somebody in a way that we have lost energy, would you give strength this morning? Holy Spirit, all across this room, we dare to pray. Come. Come. So if that's you, if you long for things to be different, whatever it may be, can I invite you to very simply stand now? Please stand. say those words come Lord Jesus the ones on the screen we're going to say them three times as a cry that we're saying them in English but Christians have said this for thousands of years in humble desperation in the midst of the most unimaginable pain and also the most joy-filled triumph saying come Lord Jesus so should we say this out loud boldly declaring asking begging Jesus to come so let's say together Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. 